Like God in his greatness and his grandeur and his awesomeness, he could have saved us all in a a moment. And yet because of God's great love for us, and we'll see in this passage, God sent his only begotten son for us. That is what Christmas is all about. This idea that there's this child, this idea that God sent a child to live a perfect sinless life that you and I could not live to be what we'll see in this passage, the propitiation for our sin. I know that's a big word, and I'll get to what the word propitiation means at the end of the message. But there's this son, Jesus Christ, sent by God the Father for you and I to bring peace and hope and love and what we'll look at next week, joy. And so this morning, what does it mean that God is love? Or what is God's love? Let's read the passage together. 1 John chapter uh, 4, verse 7 through 12. I'll really only teach two verses out of these, but we've got to see all of it in its context this morning. This is what John says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Highlight that in your Bible. God is love. That's an important statement for all of us to know this morning. In this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but God has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sons. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If, he, if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. And so this morning, you see the passage is full of the word love. And what does that mean? Where does that idea start? It starts back in Genesis chapter 3. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 3. Right, this is Genesis chapter 3, the, the fall, that God had created everything. And then God created man, and then God created woman, and everything was right. Everything was at peace. Everything was at harmony. Everything was the way God had always intended it to be. And then in a moment, the the serpent comes, and he deceives Eve and, and says, hey, God didn't really say that about that fruit hanging from the tree. That's not really what God said. God didn't really mean that. Do you remember that in the passage? in the story and what does Eve do she takes the fruit and she eats of the fruit and then she gives it right to her husband who's standing there that doesn't intervene and he eats and then it says that their eyes became opened like in that moment when they ate of the fruit what opened their eyes was the fracture of God's peace sin is what really opened their eyes and then we know the story they go and hide from God And I could preach a whole sermon on this. We can never hide from God, amen? And God is always on pursuit. We'll see that in this text this morning. God pursues Adam and Eve in the garden and finds them hiding and finds them with the clothes that they had put on. And then he has this conversation. He starts with the serpent. And many scholars say this is the first gospel message or the proto-evangelium, the very first message of the good news. Here's the first message of the good news. This is the first moment of Advent. 
the arrival of the expectation that God is going to reconcile everything back the way it was just a few moments before. And so he says this to the serpent. I, God, will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Circle this word in your Bible. He. That word he is in reference to Jesus who we celebrate at Advent. He, Jesus, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That's the Advent. That's the Advent. That's what we're waiting for. That's what all of God's people throughout the Old Testament were waiting for. That God was going to send his son to redeem them, to set them back at peace with the Holy God. And that's what we celebrate here at the Christmas season. This passage being fulfilled. Like back in Genesis 3, just a page into the Bible. You see that? Just one page into the Bible. God makes a promise that he's going to set everything back. And where does it start? Where does the promise start? It starts with this word love. Because God loved his people, God loved his children, God loved Adam and Eve, and God knew them and knew what would happen to them because of their sin. So God in his love, because we see in this passage, God is love. It's more than just a characteristic. It's who he is. It's his nature. Just the way Cedar and Tennyson are by nature belong to me and belong to Jenny. You, you can take a lot of things out of them but there's some of it, their DNA that you can never rob them of. That's true of who God is. God and his love decided to send his son Jesus, who we celebrate, because of the fracture that was caused in the garden. And here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. You can turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. I love this idea, this verse for Christmas. Because next Sunday we'll gather and your families will come and you'll gather in your living room or wherever, your tree is or however you celebrate Christmas. And, you know, some of uh, uh, us, we, Jenny and I, there's this tradition that there's normally a gift. She normally gives us pajamas to, to wear for Christmas Eve. We get a gift on Christmas Eve, and then next, the next morning we'll wake up, and the kids will run into the room, and they'll begin to tear open gifts, and then Cedar will like the boxes more than the toys. It's kind of crazy, I know. I'm like, why not just save money and go to the UPS store and buy boxes for them, and wrap an empty box. He's going to play with the empty box more. And he'll begin to open these gifts, and she'll, Tennyson will begin to open these gifts, and Jenny and I and our family will begin to open these gifts. But here's what Paul says. He says this, and my prayer is that this week and next week and next Monday morning, we won't forget the greatest gift that was ever given to us. Here's what Paul says. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift, Jesus. God gave us Jesus as a gift out of his, what, his love, his love. For himself first and foremost, and then for us. 
And so now let's go back to the passage. The God in his love, God in his character, God in his nature does this for us. And this is how we see God's love. The first one is this. God's love is seen in his plan or God's love is seen in his mission. It's in verse 9. He says this, John says this. In this love, what that God is love, we just read that in verse 8. In this love, God is seen in his love. He what? He made manifest among us. And so God made this thing, this gift, he made it for us. So we see God's love and his mission. And his mission was this, his plan was this, to reconcile sinners to himself. He says that in Romans 5.10. For while yet we were still sinners, what God's love showed his love for us and died for us. So God's mission from the very beginning, we saw that in Genesis 3, God's mission or his plan was that he would show his love for us. Do we see that in this passage? Do we understand that Christmas is understanding that God's mission was being fulfilled? That's why I love that lyric that Jared's saying to us. God could have, we'll see in a moment, the gift. But God's mission or God's plan was to reconcile us to himself. Do do we believe that, church, this morning? Do we believe, first and foremost, that we're sinners set apart from God, and so we need a gift for us? We needed someone to have a plan for us. Because you look at your life, I look at my life, when I start planning my life apart from God's plan, it always ends in disaster. And so we needed a God to have a plan for us because our best thinking, our best plan was going to hijack everything. And so we get to see God's great love for us and his plan for us. His plan is reconciliation. That's what we see. We've got to see first and foremost. Which moves us into the second point. We see God's love for us in his promise. So God had this plan. The plan was reconciliation, but the plan could only be fulfilled through what? The promise. His son Jesus, he says that in the text. In verse 9. In this love, God was made manifest among us. Circle the word manifest. That just simply means that God demonstrated his love, showed up on the scene to show us what his love was about. And this was his plan, that God sent his only son. So the mission of God was to reconcile us, and the way God was going to reconcile us was through Jesus Christ, his son. That's why that line is so important, that God could have chosen any way and anything to reconcile us. Like, well, if we believe that God's sovereign in control of all things, then we must believe that God could use a toothpick to reconcile us. Right? If he, he could choose any way that he wanted to to fulfill his mission or his plan for us. And yet we see how he chose to fulfill his mission of reconciliation for us. It's through his son. And that word there, his only son. the, The Greek word is homogeneous. It means the only one. The only son of God he sent for us. And so God's mission was reconciliation. His promise was going to be through his son. That's what we come. That's the great gift. 
that God, when he decided to finally bring total reconciliation, was to put his only son in the form of a baby and put that baby in the hands of a teenager and put that baby in a manger. I I don't know about you, but that plan seems crazy to me. I'm thinking like six years, seven years from now, Tennyson having a baby that's going to redeem the whole world. Like, I, I just don't know about She can barely color in the lines. Like, but yet God's mission was his love. It starts with his love. Was to redeem all of mankind back to himself. And so he sent his son, Jesus, for us. And so when we wake up on Monday morning and we celebrate Christmas, let us be reminded that we come to that Christmas tree, that we come to this presence as a reminder of the greatest gift that God gave to us, his only son. The only son of God was given to us. And who was it given to? Sinners. I, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to give a great gift to, to a sinner. I'm not going to go into our, our legal system, if you will, because that's the word that God is using. Go into the jails or go into prison and give that prisoner my greatest gift, which is Tennyson or Cedar. I'm not going to do that. Because I know, I have the cognitive awareness to know that those, that, that, that the people in jail, they don't care for what I care for. And they, they won't care for what I care for the way God's called me to care for them. And yet God, in his great love for us, sent his only son for us and put his son in the hands of sinners. It sounds crazy but yet that's God's plan for us so we see God's mission for us we see God's promise for us through his love and then now we see God's purpose for us how come God had a mission for us to reconcile us that he give his great gift Jesus for us to do what it's at the very end of verse 9 so that we, that you and me, we the sinner, we the ones that are apart from God, will be reconciled to God so that what? Then we could what? We might live through him. So now God is going to reveal the reason or the purpose of his reconciliation for us was that we would have life. So God's desire is to reconcile us through his son, so that we would have life. So Christmas is all about you and I living this life that God always intended us to live. But he knew that we could not live it on our own, that in our best thinking, we would always hijack our life, like I just said. And so he knew the only way for us to experience full, abundant life is through Christ Jesus, his son. And so he gave us his son so that you and I would experience a holy, true life. And so I asked you this morning this question. Are you experiencing that life? The fullness of life. If you're a believer here this morning, you ought to and I ought to be living a full and abundant life because Christ Jesus is in us. 
And if we live with Christ Jesus in us, then Christ Jesus will then live through us. That's what he tells us in the passage. But how come we would say this? Like most believers, I'm not even talking about unbelievers. Most believers live miserable, unfulfilled lives. Do they not? How do we know they don't? Because we live in a dying world. And in our dying world, we, the believer, don't take this message serious to a lost and dying world. You see, your life and my life will only be fulfilled when we begin to share the gospel with other people. Because that is the reason God reconciled us, was to share the gospel. He tells us that in Corinthians. That now that you've been reconciled you now have the message or the ministry of reconciliation so if you and i aren't living out the mission god's placed on us we're going to live miserable lives we'll live unfulfilled lives we'll live lives that we think man there's got to be more to it well yeah there is more to it it's called the ministry of reconciliation because god is now living through you and in your surrender you're allowing to god to do for you what you would never do for yourself and so i'd ask us church Are we living lives of reconciliation and living in a ministry of reconciliation? If that's what God's love is seen in us, that we would live through him. And if we live through him, then we'll live for him. If we live for him, we'll live to him. And then the fourth one is this. The last two, in my opinion, are probably the most important ones. We see God's love in his pursuit for us let's read verse 10 in this love what the love that god has for us catch this part of the verse not that we have loved god but he he loved us if we have this idea that we were pursuing god that's not what this verse talks about at all in you and in me i have no desire to pursue god As a sinner, at the age of 17, 18 years old, I had no desire to pursue God. I had a lot of desires to pursue everything else but God. But in God's great love for me, he, through this verse and through many other verses, he what? He pursued you. Do we see that? Like, it's not me that, that, like, this is the picture I get, that, that I, the dad, am going to constantly pursue Cedar, and I'm not waiting for Cedar to pursue me back. And yet we have this mentality that we, the, the, the sons of disobedience, would pursue an obedient God? Like, on my greatest day, apart from Jesus Christ, I want nothing to do with him. That's my greatest day. He tells us that our righteousness are but filthy rags to him. And so we see in this passage that God shows us his love for us. And we see that God is love because he is the one that's always doing the pursuit. He's always pursuing us. He tells us that in uh, Luke 15 with the prodigal son. That yes, the son is coming home, but the picture is that the dad was always out on the front porch waiting and longing and longing and longing, desiring the son to come home. He was the one pursuing. 
And what does it say in the passage in Luke 15? When he came to his senses, he remembered that his dad was pursuing him. Like he had this moment, like, wait, I do have a loving God. Because that father had been showing him love his whole life. And so you and I, apart from Jesus, will never pursue Jesus Christ. Ever. And yet, in our worst day, in our darkest day, in our most sinful day, we have God's love that constantly pursues us. He's not on his throne waiting for us to get it all right, to step off of his throne to come and pursue us. He stepped off of his throne through his son Jesus to pursue us while we were yet sinners. He died for us. While we were yet rebellious, we see that in Genesis 3. He made a promise to a rebellious people that my son will come and redeem all things. And so the promise We know God is love because of his pursuit for us. Hear me, church. No matter where you're at in your journey, no matter where you are, God is pursuing you. He's not waiting for you to pursue him. He does not care about your pursuit to him. Because of his love for you, he pursues you. Here's what one of the writers said. You've probably heard this line. That God can not love you any more today than he did yesterday or tomorrow will he love you any less. His love is constant for you. Not dependent on your works, but on his finished work at the cross of Jesus Christ for you. It's so important that we understand this. We, we must understand this at Advent. Advent is showing us God's pursuit of us. Because, again, you and I would not send our only begotten child to a lost, sinful world to redeem it. It sounds crazy, but God, in his great love, because he is love, was pursuing us and wanted us to be in relationship with him, which leads us to the last place, in God's pursuit and in God's purpose for our life, and because God sent his son and his love for us, and his plan was to reconcile us, how does that happen? Verse 10, in this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. Sent his son, that was the promise, to fulfill his mission, and how was he going to do that? That his son would be what? The propitiation for our sin. We see God's love is seen in his provision God's son is our provision you see the word propitiation means this it it means that we were that someone had to take on our our our, uh, legal debt that somebody had to pay for us what we could not pay for ourselves that there had to be propitiation for our sin there had to be something that was going to uh, relieve God of his wrath or satisfy God of his wrath. You see, there's six things in this word propitiation. God's holiness is demonstrated, God's uh, wrath, God's justice, God's mercy, God's love, and God's grace in one word, propitiation. 
You see, God's holiness says that, what does he say to us in the New Testament? Before, be holy for I am holy. And yet we knew we cannot be holy. So we need somebody to step in to become our holiness as we stand before a holy God. That's God's uh, call on your life. That's what God says. You want to be with me in relationship with me? You must be holy. Well, I can't do that. Like holiness means without sin. And so as sinners, we have sin. And so we need someone to step in because we cannot get rid of our sin on ourselves. But it's, a, it's as if we're looking at it, the holiness of God shows us, man, it's impossible. It's impossible to be without sin, correct? That's our sin nature. All of us are born sinners. Just come hang out with Cedar for two minutes. You'll be like, yep, that's a sinner. I didn't teach him that. That's not taught behavior. I'm like, man, I don't know where you learned that from. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, you're a sinner. And yet God says, I desire perfection. The way into heaven is through perfection. Because heaven is without sin. So if you and I enter heaven with sin, then heaven's no longer perfect. We're all in big trouble. So we look, because of propitiation, we look at ourselves and say, the, the, the mark is holiness. And sin is missing the mark. And then what does God say? We now see, okay, because we missed the mark, there is the wrath of God. God hates sin. God calls for judgment on sin. And so he will judge sinners. We see that throughout the Bible. And not only does, does the word propitiation reveal God's wrath, but it also reveals God's justice. God is just in disciplining and condemning sin is he not because he's a holy god so there has to be this justice in god that says hey they've missed the mark and if they've missed the mark they have to pay the price for what they've done that's justice like if you and i go into a courtroom we want justice do we not if we're in a courtroom and we hear the verdict is read we whether you know it or not, you're filtering it through the lens of justice. Well, that, that doesn't seem right. That crime and that punishment don't fit together. Anyone ever heard that before? Have you ever said that? That's called justice. And so God has this justice that must be demonstrated. And he says to us, the consequences, the wages of sin is what? Death. So he lays that out in Romans. And so you and I would come into a courtroom and if we know that the justice of God is, this is the penalty for uh, their punishment, then we would say, okay, if it doesn't match up, that's not just. And so we sit in a courtroom in front of a holy God and we, because we're sinners, deserve death. But then God's justice is blindsided by God's mercy through Advent. You see, if we just get stuck in the courtroom in front of God, the mark is holiness, 
the, the wrath of God is death and the justice of God is that we die, then, then if we don't have something intervene called God's mercy, we're in trouble. And so we come to Advent, we come to Christmas as the way of the intervention of God's mercy to us to take from us what we deserve. We deserve death. Do we not all believe that in this room? God's mercy through his son Jesus says, no, no. That's the propitiation. The God stands at the front of the courtroom and then your defense attorney steps in front of you and says, no, no. Put it on me. Put your wrath on me, God. All your wrath for their sin, put it all on me. I'll absorb it all. That's God's mercy on your life and my life. Because I'm the one, you're the one that deserves the wrath of God on you because of your sin. Here's a man that never sinned, the Bible tells us. And so because God, through Jesus, never sinned, he doesn't deserve the wrath of God. And yet he stands in front of the court, in front of a holy judge and says, put it all on me. Put it all on me. Put it all on me. Which leads us to the next thing. In propitiation. In God's provision. We see love. We go back to Romans 5. While yet we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That's his love for us. That's his love, that he would demonstrate his wrath on his son and not on us, and that we would see the love of God through his son that would totally absorb it without hesitation, without question, and says, yes, not my will be done, God, but your will be done. That's the love of God through propitiation. Which leads us to the final thing in propitiation. God's great grace. Because we will be ongoing sinners. We will be ongoing sinners. You'll leave today. I'll leave this place today. And I will sin again. And yet I need God's grace in my moment of weakness. My moment of temptation. My moment of sin. That God will continue to demonstrate his great love for us. Through his great grace for us. To have ongoing confession and ongoing forgiveness. That is the propitiation. That we celebrate. Advent, which leads us to the so what of the passage. Like if all that's true, if God had a plan of reconciliation and God sent his promise, his son, to redeem us and to rescue us, and the purpose was that we would live through him and that we would understand that God continues to pursue us and that we see this propitiation for our sin, then what? He tells us. Beloved, If God so loved us, what? We also ought to love one another. And I simply asked this question to myself as I was studying. Do I really get God's love for me? Do I sit in God is love for me? Because if I believe that God loved me and God did all these things for me, And yet, I don't love my brother. I don't love my sister. I don't love this community. Then what? Then God's love isn't manifest in me. 
Like, you'll know if you understand God's great love for you, God's great gift for you in his son Jesus by you demonstrating that love to other people. That's what this passage says. We can sit here all day and say, yes, I believe that God loves me. I believe that he sent his son for me. I believe that I deserve to die. I believe, I believe, I believe. But if our belief doesn't push us into action to a lost and dying world, then we don't really love the world. That's what this passage is saying. Because then we would understand that God's love for us and what he did for us has to be for every man, woman, and child that is totally apart from God, which would push us to go love the world. You see, yes, the world has a sin problem. No doubt about it. But the church has a love problem. No doubt about it. So church, Powell's Chapel, this morning, as we come to celebrate Christmas, as Paul says, the greatest gift that's been given to us, Jesus Christ, he now calls us to go and love the world. Do we love the world around us? Are we carrying out what Paul said? Are we carrying out what Paul says? Let us be reconcilers of the world. Let us have the ministry of reconciliation. Let us pray. God, you demonstrated your great love for us. While yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. God, I'm so grateful to you that you did, back at the garden, have a mission to reconcile the world to yourself. I'm so grateful to you that you sent your only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that through him, God, I can live a full and abundant life. I pray for that for myself and for the people of God in here. And I'm grateful. And I'm overwhelmed by your pursuit of me. You pursued me when I didn't even want to be pursued. And then, God, I'm grateful for your provision. That your wrath was satisfied. On a cross. In some way, God, I'll never get that. I'll never understand that. When you sent your son Jesus in the form of a babe, you knew that day, that night, 30 year, 33 years from that moment, that he'd be crushed for our iniquity. An innocent baby laying in a manger. that baby being crushed that I have life and I have life to the full I just can't imagine I'm overwhelmed as I stand here but you're, you are love 
your very nature, who you are, God, is love. You are loving your holiness. You are loving your wrath. You are loving your justice and your mercy and your grace. It's all comes out of love because of your nature. You love a sinner like me. God, I pray if there's someone that doesn't know you, hasn't come to believe that, that God, you, in this moment, the way you told us in this passage, that you would pursue them, God, and that you would awaken their hearts to your love for them. That can only be done by you. Awaken our hearts through your pursuit of your great love for us. You are good, God. God is love. Amen. Sing this in response as you guys stand. Number 555 in your hymnals.